Welcome to the Nothing in Particular show, where you sit down with a beer, cup of coffee, or a great glass of wine and have an entertaining discussion with your new besties, Breezy Weeks and Travis Cody. What will we talk about today? Nothing in particular, or whatever is top of mind. All right, welcome to another episode of the show. I'm Travis Cody. And I'm Breezy Weeks. Welcome, Breezy. Hello. So today is part three of our Breezy Weeks trilogy. <laughs> yes. Where I'm going to ask all of the questions that most people probably don't have about you and your life, um, because it's it, uh, massively entertaining and fascinating to me. Is it? <laughs> okay. Plus, I'm a huge opportunist. See, I, I had season one of the All Things Hollywood show, but it was just, it was missing something. And then because I'm a guy, it took me a year to figure out what it was missing. It was like, oh, I'm missing the female perspective. Yes. And so after interviewing 10,363 people, I finally decided, being the opportunist that I am, that bringing you onto the show, since you have a huge history in the entertainment industry, and you're also married to a rock star, that, you know, that would be a good perspective. And bonus for me, it ups my street cred. So, yes. <laughs> so now and this I is Breezy's podcast with uh, Travis the sidekick. <laughs> yes, and I accepted your offer. <laughs> Also, because, you know, we've been friends for a very long time. I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like, um, I've been friends with you longer than I've known Dallin. So. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> dang it. Now you've blown my street cred right out of the water because now it's like, dang it, it's nepotism. That is the way forward in Hollywood. And I'm like, it is. That's totally the way it works. <laughs> right. Exactly. There's a reason why Clint Eastwood keeps using the same people for 40 years. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, I have friends that are cool. And let's just do that in this little drama. Which is a great spinoff right there that you mentioned Clint Eastwood because that's where my name came from. So it came from a movie back in the 70s called Breezy, um, direct, directed by Clint Eastwood. I <laughs> yeah. didn't know this. I've known you for like two decades. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Breezy. I actually have the soundtrack on a, on a vinyl. That's it. Now we got to so. get uh, Clint Eastwood on the show. We got to interview right. him. There you go. <laughs> So if someone's listening and you know Clint Eastwood and you happen to be his personal assistant, just uh, you know, look me up, TravisCody.com, mm -hmm. and uh, drop us a note. We'll, ha we'll, have, we'll have your boss on the show. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> you realize, by the way, that next year is the 50th anniversary of Dirty Harry. Oh, really? Yeah. 50 that's years. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I actually wrote a, a sequel to the Dirty Harry movies. It would have spun off the, uh, spun off. Anyway, I don't know if I should say anything on air. People still, but I'm going to say it because then everyone will know that it's my idea. <laughs> See, the idea was if you look at the movies between like, so he did, you know, he did three, three movies. See, he did 71 and, I, and then late seventies. And then he did a movie in like 81. And then the, ex, the next one was like, I think like 87 or 88. So there's a big gap, like eight years in between there. And so, in my 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 story idea was that you have you start the movie with like uh some navy seals and they get into trouble and a guy breaks orders and he saves his unit but then he gets court martialed because he broke broke orders but then you find out that his his last name is is Callahan mm -hmm. and then it goes into San Diego and he's he or San San Francisco and he shows up at at Dirty Harry's house and he opens up and you realize this is Dirty Harry's son. So he actually had a son in between movie three and movie four, <clears throat> but because there was some really bad stuff going on, he basically sent him and his mom away so they wouldn't get caught up and like, you know, killed and stuff. And then, he, you know, him being Dirty Harry, he didn't have much to do with him. So then what ends up happening is the guy that he put away gets out of jail and then tries to kill Dirty Harry and puts him in the hospital. And so then younger Harry gets recruited by the CIA to go into Mexico to go after the guy and basically do the dirty work. And so the, we're passing the torch from old Harry to younger Harry and see, we could even bring in Scott Eastwood cause he's exactly that same age. And then Scott Eastwood could become the new dirty Harry. And now we don't have to worry about recasting the dirty Harry character. We just pass it on down the bloodline. And that's the title of the movie bloodline. So the whole movie's around the younger dirty Harry. And then at the end there's an epic showdown with old dirty Harry and young dirty Harry taking out the bad guys. You're going to get phone calls. See? People are they're going to want to pick that up. I wrote that in 2009. <laughs> I was going to try to do it for the 40th anniversary, but I guess now I have to do it for 50th. Okay, there you go. Scott, <laughs> come on the show. I've got I've got the new I've got the new uh 
the new series That's for crazy. you. It's going to carry you for the next 20 years. You'll follow in the sho shoes of your dad and uh, now I'm totally blanked on his name. Why am I blanking on his name? I guess. Oh gosh, this is embarrassing. I have a like total brain blank. Uh, guy who played Wolverine. Who is that? Gosh. Oh, yes, Hugh Jackman. Duh. God. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> Didn't you go see his show too? Hugh yes. Jackman? That's yeah. what I'm saying. I'm like, I see I mean, his face. What is it? I'm like, no, it's not Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Didn't do that's that. just I'm what like, happens as you get old. Our brains God. are just. I like... am not. <laughs> I'm not following Dave Asprey's advice. I need to start doing some bulletproof coffee in the morning, apparently. <laughs> yeah. That big bowl of Cheerios and, uh, you know, oh, uh, geez. With, a, with a side of sweet tarts, it's apparently making my brain go fuzzy. Don't get me started. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. all right. Well, all right. there you go. Yes. We, 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 so that's okay. awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> Clint Eastwood gave you your name. That's amazing. Yeah. Sorry for that. Your segue. parents must have been really <laughs> impressed by that movie that no one has heard of. I know. Uh, you know, back in the 70s, um, I don't know, there was an actress in that, um, Kate Lenz, and um, I guess, I think I'm saying her name right. Ugh. I'll have to look that up. But um, anyways, the actress in that, she really, like, admired, and um, the story's kind of funny. I try to watch it. It's one of those slow-paced, <laughs> like, movies, but it, it's cool. Um you know, and it's kind of about like a wander kind of hippie girl and finding her place. So that is that's the story of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Hippie girl trying to find her way in oh, life. That's geez. so you. I know. And you're yeah. like, no, that's not me. You have a name called Breezy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can't yeah. deny it. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to get back in here. So last time in the okay. last uh, episode, we left a cliffhanger and, uh, you know, in, in volume two. Yes. About how you got to where you are and being married to, you know, one of the biggest rock stars on the planet. And I think we need to go back in time a little bit and discuss that this is this on the outside for someone like me, like, oh, that's amazing. But from your experience in your life, it makes total sense because you've sort of been around the music industry and in, in, in like kind of a big way your whole life. Like you growing up, you knew what uh ink people from incubus who who were some of the other bands that grew up because they were in the they were in the valley which is they were like your peers right yeah yes um yeah you know I, i'm not really sure like why this is but in ventura county area which is where i grew up in california um a lot of the people like the kids we just the, most people were either one or all either surfers skaters or musicians and played in a band <laughs> that was your options <laughs> like yeah you know we weren't too far from the beach so we spent a lot of time at the beach um and then you know a lot of my friends mostly guys because i just i i just hung out with mostly guy friends and they're just chill and um we're in bands and played instruments i never had like an interest in that i was an artist you know so i did like painting sculpting and drawing and photography but um i loved music and it was always around me growing up like i said in the, the prior podcast my dad used to design album covers in the 70s and my aunt and uncle owned a record label and so um music was just always part of me. And, and I know it's important to a lot of people, you know, but for me, it's like, it was almost everything. Like I relate to music for so many things in my life, memories, people I met that I uh, place a song to um, moments in time, you know, that I just, it's really important to me. So I've always gone to concerts and shows growing up and that's what we did. My group of friends, like we, you know, hung out, um, whether it was, like I said, you know, going to the beach or we'd go to like hang out at shows and, um, and listen to bands See, play. Far, so. far cry from where I grew up. I grew up in a town of 2000 people in the middle of nowhere in Utah. And so our, our options were, uh, you got to ride horses, motorcycles, or shoot stuff with guns. And right. That, that was our options. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah. the nearest mall to where I grew up was two and a half hours away. So, jeez. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. So like, yeah. You're, you're you're like ah oh, surfing and and music, and I'm like ah oh, horses and guns, and uh, you know I was allergic to horses, so that kind of narrowed my options. Yeah. So I just I guess you know it's a suburb. There's there wasn't a lot to do, and um, so I guess that's just for fun and to stay but out of really, trouble. Really, when you no. live by the beach, do you need much to do? I mean, I let's know. be honest. Yeah. And, and so it was from like, probably up to like Santa Barbara through like Calabasas was kind of like my stomping ground. 
um, going to shows and hanging out with my friends and um, going to the beach and all this kind of stuff. And and I'm not really sure because it doesn't happen to everybody. So I don't really know. Not everyone's going to tell you this story who grew up in, in Thousand Oaks area. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not like a common thing. But for whatever, um, I also had family members that lived in like Calabasas area. I had a cousin who was older than me. And she was dating the lead singer of Incubus's um, oldest brother. And they dated for many, many years and lived together. And so that's kind of how I got connected on that end is um, when I would want to go hang out or during the summertime, I'd go hang out at her apartment and hang out with those guys. And so um, that kind of broadened my, you know, people that I met on that end and that perspective over there. So, and then. Um, so you're hanging out with Incubus before they were Incubus. Yeah. Like right on the, the very beginning of them um, starting out. So it was pretty cool. And yeah, and then just like some of my friends that just developed into like bands that, that are um, either didn't make it and or whatever, or, and some did. And, and uh, yeah, I also knew the band like called Hoobastank and that was because a friends of mine went on tour with them. And, um, and so, yeah, it's they just, were, it, they were a big deal there for a while. I'm sure yeah. they still are, but a lot of bands came out of Calabasas and um, all that Thousand Oaks area. Did, did, so now I also know that you dated the um, the guy that uh, AWOL Nation did. AWOL Nation come out of that area too. <laughs> yeah. Um. So my friend Ray was who I still know to this day and went out to elementary school with, and he is also friends with that that um, that guy from AWOL Nation. They originally had a band together, and. Um, they had a couple, well, yeah, there's, there's a couple bands, um, that they so had. Kidding. There was like, there was a lot, there's like, that was like this weird little area where like just big bands were coming out of. Yeah. And what's funny is my friend Ray the other day, he did an Instagram post. It was so cool that like some of our like really hard rock, we, we used to call it like a lot of my friends were straight edge. So growing up and if people don't know what that is, they just straight edge is like, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you, you don't, you know, most of them are vegan or, um, and so that's kind of like they they had this group called Straight Edge, and a lot of my Mormon guy friends were part of that group because it helped them stay out of you know drinking and drugs and doing bad things that they weren't supposed to. So um, and and then not not all of them are Straight Edge, but there was a big group that were Straight Edge, and they would have these shows and all these guys that were in these like hardcore bands, you know, where there's like screamo kind of bands, and a lot of them started that way. So. So yeah, the uh, my friend Ray started out like that. I, some of my Mormon friends I still know to this day. They're actually um, putting their bands together to have like a reunion show. And, and my friend Ray posted the other day this big reunion show. I wasn't there and I was kind of bummed out. And it was a bunch of those bands that I grew up with that were in these hardcore um, bands. And they all did like a big reunion show. It was really cool. And wow, I would have liked to have been there. Was, that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, and so they, my friend Ray was in a band called Hometown Hero and they were signed and they toured with Incubus and I think they also know the, or they toured with Hoobastank and I think Incubus too, but don't quote me on that. So it was a small world. So like, and, and yeah, and then, um, this guy who was the singer of Hometown Hero went on to, he's in the band called AWOL Nation and, um, it was very successful. That's great for him. And <laughs> my friend Ray does like, um, he actually produced, um, one of the Panic of Disco music videos. And oh, wow. yeah, so um, it's just a small world, you know, when you start really getting into it. So, um, but yeah, so then I went on to just, you know, hanging out with my friends or musicians and bands and, um, and just continued to do that. I always dated musicians for whatever reason. And... It's so Southern California of you. <laughs> I know it's like I probably every guy was a musician that I did. Where I'm from is like people are like I only date blonde-haired people, and you're like I only date someone if they play guitar or sing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, drummers, guitar players, bass players, singers. You know, it's like uh, so. I was always an, maybe an actor here and there, and you know that I dated and. Um, on, on, on those months you were slumming it, you would go down to actors. I know, you know, <laughs> it <laughs> happens. Awesome. So how do you go from 
dating those to <laughs> those me, 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 meeting dating those lowly musicians to so so the yeah. idea that eventually you would probably end up with a musician was was not a out of the realm of possibility for you since that's you dated yeah. musicians most of the musicians you knew were already very successful so in your world like a successful unlike most people musicians are like the poor people where you're at they're like oh <laughs> most musicians you know are fairly successful and you're like that's a viable career path <laughs> yeah i think it was the inevitable that i was going to end up um I, I just i hate to say this but i, I didn't feel like i was just going to end up dating just some normal person <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean one of the common folks <laughs> <laughs> I just not even that it's just I, I really like I'm really drawn and really attracted to creativity creative people you know and artists um so I'm always drawn to that and I, I also date like a poet and a writer who um was also very you know it's a very creative I'm just I'm really into creativity and art like right. that so that's just a big big turn on for me so that's why I say that that um that was a very important thing in my kind of like checklist, you know, of, of who I'm looking for. But yeah, so eventually um, I wanted to move out on my own. And so I moved down to Sherman Oaks and got my own apartment. I wanted just to just outside of LA for people who aren't familiar with the LA area. Yes. San Fernando Valley. Just, just north kind of Hollywood. Of, right. You know, I was going to a lot of auditions and I wanted to be in that epicenter so I wouldn't have to drive in the horrific traffic <laughs> too bad. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was such a good spot. And I would go down there and I'd scope out these neighborhoods that I just, I loved. And, um, and I found this one place. I was determined to live on this one little cute, adorable street. Um, and I would drive up and down there and, and reply to the for rent signs and stuff. And I got one and I was like so excited because it was just this one bedroom, cute little apartment down there. And at the time I was applying to Burke Williams to, cause I was doing massage therapy as my side job of also juggling, going on auditions and doing. Oh wait, um, you had to have a real job to, <laughs> even though you were like working with, um, you know, yeah. uh, Big, Michael, Michael Bay. Bay. I'm oh, yeah. having so much time with like names today. I'm like, I know Michael Bay. Jeez. <laughs> yep. And yeah, in fact, so you're hanging out with with um, Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck and Kate Beckinsale on, on one day, and then and then you go home and you're like, oh, I gotta I go back to work my regular yeah. job. And then the next day you're working for someone else, massaging them and and you know <laughs> helping them feel relaxed and. <laughs> feel good and you're just like okay you know it's such a makes you so humble you know too though um so why massage therapy yeah uh, massage therapy i got into that you know the past podcast we were talking about i'm a cancer survivor so after coming out of that and surviving cancer i just i thought it was very healthy before that but i learned i could be even more healthy about my body and stuff and so i i started um thinking about just jobs too, like, you know, being surrounded by a, a place that, you know, that's a, a healthy environment as well. It just makes me feel good. So um, massage therapy just seemed like a really cool thing. It's, it's like a cool vibe. You go in there, you got like peaceful music. I, I like helping people and I liked making people feel good like that and relaxed and helping them if they're, they have aches and pains and stuff like that. So that like appealed to me. Um, and uh yeah so i thought it was like flexible a, it's flexible that too exactly yeah. i could set my own schedule if i had the right place to work at and like you know we were like the highest paying thank you very much so, so burke, burke williams <laughs> we were, is uh is considered sort of like the five star spa of la it's like the it's where all the the rich muckety mucks go because it's the kind of the highest end highest quality spa so yeah if you, were to work that, at, if you were to work at a spa, that was the place that everyone tried to get into. It was. And before that, I worked at Total Woman um, Spa and Gym, which was cool, too, because it was all women. It was kind of nice to have that environment. Um, but Now, see, I always thought that was very funny because <laughs> – so there's a, there's a chain in L.A. It's, I think, Southern California, Total Woman Gym and Spa. So only women are allowed to go there. Only women are allowed to work there. And I, and I always used to look at that going, if I tried to open up a place called Only Men Gym and Spa. <laughs> like, I yeah. get sued. Yeah. It's like, it's sexist pig. And I'm like, what? That's not, like, why can they have their own gym? And guys can't have it without being. Now, 
have it being married to a woman who's a professional model. Like I totally understand why women want to go to their own gym. Like, right. I, I think probably twice a week, my wife comes home and just like tells me some story of some like stupid thing guys in the gym do to try to get, get her attention. It's real. It's actually kind of humorous to me, but yeah. anyway, I'm that was sure. a side note. I always just yeah. thought that was funny. It is funny for sure. Um, it is nice though, as a therapist to not really have to deal with, some awkward situations that sometimes do come up when you're no massaging. sweaty, hairy men. You just have sweaty, hairy women to work on. So it's right. Nice. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is, you know, cause people always bring that up about massage therapy. Like, um, did you ever have any weird situations with a, with a man coming on to you or being inappropriate? And honestly, I only had one time. Um, and, I was out of there really fast and just sent somebody in to, that was do, you, what I was, do you know what sucks about that <laughs> is the answer to that question. Did you ever have any really uncomfortable, awkward experiences with a man hitting on you? My answer is yes. All the time. Right. <laughs> sucks. Yes. I know. I never had any like hot movie stars hitting on me. It was always like the weird, creepy gay guys were like, you're so cute. And like trying to like, I'm like, I, I had a guy, I had, two different times where guys just grabbed my junk in the middle of a massage. And what? Like, oh you? God. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. I was just going to say. And so what's funny is like when the me too, is, I shouldn't say it's funny. That's a horrible thing to phrase before I say the, the phrase uh, me, me too. too. Okay, like when yeah. me too came out and people are talking about what constitutes assault. I'm like, Oh, that I was is assaulted like six or seven times when I worked at Burke Williams. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, I was like, going to say, like, wow. I yeah, got, well, I think, I so think I, I got you know, hit and, on and that's the, 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 the thing in, in, in like, you know, West Hollywood is, you know, there, there, it happens to be a very gay friendly neighborhood. And so a lot of gay people live there and a lot of them would come to our spa because gay men are much more put together than straight guys. <laughs> they dress better. They're better groomed. And, and, you know, so I just, you know, I ended up getting it. What I would hear <laughs> a lot of female therapists talk about were the normal situations things that guys would do to them. I had that same situation, but it was also guys. Mm -hmm. So it was very, yeah, anyway. It's like, yeah. I, I didn't think anything of it at the time because <clears throat> for me, it wasn't threatening because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 200 pounds and I'm 6'3". And so half the time it was amusing to me when guys would, would do stuff. But I, you know, uh, again, my, my wife was a massage therapist back in the day and she, she had stories. So I, it's just, I, I, I'm bringing that up because I just find it astounding for the, the length of time you did massage that you only had one situation. Like that's remarkable. Well, I mean, I was going to say I got hit on more by girls at the total woman spa than I did oh, that's funny. by men, <laughs> so, but they were <laughs> fine. They were nice. It wasn't as like crude as nobody like, copped a feel on you, huh? They just did little things and you're like, okay, no, that's not <laughs> happening right here. You know, I'm very professional. Like, this is a very professional environment. Um, I was not professional. <laughs> I probably shouldn't admit this on the air, but I, people always used to say, well, like, what do you do when people are like, you know, being really uncomfortable and not stopping? And I'm just like, I don't, it was, I never understood the mindset because you're naked on a table. Like, mm -hmm. And if you are a massage therapist with any sort of understanding of anatomy, there's so many different ways you can hurt people. Mm -hmm. And so right. I had one guy, the guy that grabbed me, actually, I, he grabbed me and I jumped back and he, he was laying face down and I was working on his leg and I actually put my elbow right behind the soft part of his knee. Oh, and man. And I just leaned in <laughs> with all of my body weight and I scraped yeah. my elbow up the back of his leg. Uh -huh. and, uh, and he he screamed and jumped up and was like, what the F are you doing? And my response was, are you having happy thoughts now? And <laughs> yeah. like, the guy didn't, the guy just like was total like mellow after that. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's more than I had. That's a, that's yeah, a, that was, that's assault for sure that you had <laughs> on you. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. And people are like, Oh, you like, you hurt the guy. You maybe hurt the guy. He was just like, you know, he could have complained and you could have got fired. I was like, what is he going to say? Oh, I grabbed his junk. And then he like, you know, hurt my right. leg with his elbow I you know yeah I shouldn't mm -hmm. say that I purposely did that what I meant to say that was like I was working on his leg and when he grabbed me I lost my balance and my elbow just happened to scrape up the back of his leg when I was trying to find my balance yeah there you go <laughs> yeah 
So massage can be, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. How did we get um, on this topic? We were talking about Hoobastank, and now here we are talking yeah. about massage therapy. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> so you're living Sherman Oaks, yeah. working as a massage therapist by night, hanging out with Michael Bay and Ben Affleck, and during the <laughs> Not day, so much. It's like yeah. a superpower. Yeah, you your secret identity is a stand-in during the daytime. Right. Yes. Yeah, so I was working, doing massage, and all that, and then um. I was having my fun and I got all my wild fun out living near LA, going out constantly and dating and whatnot. And then so it that just phrase is you know, so loaded. I got all of my fun out. I got, that's, <laughs> I, think that's this just, is, I think that's an entire episode right there. What is How do we define got my fun out? <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that can get kind of <laughs> um, parting quote unquote. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we'll go there another day, but um <laughs> So eventually that kind of got old though. So the, uh, the Hollywood party episode, let's just share stories about oh, Hollywood parties. We can tell all about that, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, there's plenty. <laughs> all right. Admit um, it. How many times did you go to the Playboy Mansion? No, I actually never did. What? So, but, but we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> I keep yeah. derailing the conversation. We're supposed to be talking about your story here. I did get a, I am a, pulling, I am pulling a star Wars in, in episode three, like, or I, like there's a, there's a, there is a plot in there, but all of these like totally irrelevant story points keep going off for like 20 minutes. I'm like, please, we just get back to the story. And I did get a possible proposal from someone connected to playboy at the time. Um, which was funny cause I had a friend that really wanted to get into playboy, but at that moment they were really, and she was, she's very like large chested blonde. She's, she is a very like playboy, um, you know, a girl you would naturally would see in playboy, but they were trying to change over to more natural women and having, you know, broadening it a little, you know, with diversity and having like, even, <laughs> See, that even a playboy really sexist, but he was really about diversity. <laughs> yeah. And even playboy diverse would be like a Burnett. Okay. So, and I was you know, brown hair at the time. And so I had like someone that, you know, kind of came up to me that was linked to playboy and wanted, um, you know, me to consider. And I was like, that's not my realm at all. But it was so sad because my friends like, yeah, but connect me, please. I want it. She wanted oh, to be no. in it so bad, but they just weren't going for that. At, you know, they're kind of done with that a little bit. Um, but anyways, so getting back on the whole subject, um, doing my thing, living in Sherman Oaks, and like I said, dating people and all that stuff. And it, it just kind of got old after a while where I, I just really wanted to meet somebody like the one, you know, so to speak whatever that can be. And, um, I, I was always into music, like we said. And so for some reason I'm like, you know, I'm on the internet and I was on MySpace, which was the big MySpace. social platform. So old. I know <laughs> I was on MySpace. Yeah, Justin Timberlake's music thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was cool for music, especially because a lot of bands would like book shows through there or ask their fans to come out to shows. It was actually really cool for bands and to find new music at the time. It was, so. um, oh, who's the, I'm, I don't know what the deal is in my brain today. Like, I just can't think of any names. It was like a huge comedian. <laughs> I was like that the last time. Um, <laughs> there was a huge comedian and like he even said like he got started, like the reason he's as big as he is, he's entirely self-made and it was all because of MySpace. Yeah. I mean, there's some people like, um, you know, Jeffrey star, he's like this, you know, huge does like makeup tutorials and has his own uh, cosmetic line and he's huge, popular and very successful. And like, I, I know he like started on there. Um, Dane Cook. That's who it was. Dane oh Cook. yeah. Dane Cook. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. I said he, he built up a huge following there and then he self-produced his own album and spend a whole bunch of money on his own website. And then on MySpace said, Hey, you can go pick up my album for like five bucks and sold his own album. And then he, you know, that, like I believe that he made over a million dollars on that first album. And then he used that money to be able to put on his own first show and then got an agent and then he exploded from there. But it was all yeah. MySpace. It was great for that. And so, you know, I was always on there looking for new music. I, I always loved like indie bands too. And uh, for whatever reason, I was kind of like thinking I might, I was getting sick of LA and sick of that whole scene. And the dating scene in LA, as you know, is way different than some other places where it just, especially 
um, I hate to be like stereotypical, but especially guys, like they just don't have that idea of, of possibly having this commitment, this long-term commitment that might turn into marriage or a family. They're not really thinking about that. Like we said, we're talking about people that come to Hollywood and LA to pursue their dream, whether it's music or acting or whatever in the entertainment industry, it's mostly that. So um, it's hard to find someone that like, I had serious boyfriends, but as far as talking about that next level, like having a family or getting married, it's just kind of not you know, and something that they're, they're thinking about. It's not, so it's, not really the rock star vibe. Yeah. So it's hard to find that. And, and I really wanted that. That was something that I, I want to have. And, you know, um, so I was just kind of like getting sick of the whole LA scene. I was even thinking about, I don't know if you know this, but I was considering even moving and going to like Colorado or even Utah <laughs> studying additional massage classes and mm -hmm. working out there just to kind of get a different feel enough and lifestyle. Yeah. You know L I mean? LA can be a grind on, on people. So like not again, not to get off on tangent, but yeah. I went to LA specific for acting and I was there for about two or three years and just got so emotionally and mentally beat up from the grind of being in Hollywood that I actually, I left for a year and did go to Utah and I went there specifically just for massage school, not because I ever wanted to do it for work or whatever, but I, I just, it was, it was a, an excuse for me to get out of LA for a little bit and recalibrate. So I, I, I mentioned that because I totally understand getting, you reach a point where you're just like, is this what I want? Maybe I, you know, it's almost like having a, in today's world, it's like detox. You're like you need right. to have a detox from the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. So I was like searching on, on MySpace and then I kind of was like browsing through music in these areas and I came across Utah and you could do this like search on there where you could like look at who's the top indie or a rap artist or whatever genre you're looking for and see who's who's like number one in that area. And, and I looked at indie music and this band called the Brobex popped up and I clicked them, listened to some of their songs. And I was like, Oh, they, I added the, the band. I was like, that's, this is really cool music. And you know, there's some cute guys in there. There's a couple of cute ones and you whatever. Online lookers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but the thing was, is so I added the band and then Dallin saw me at his band and he was the first one to message me. And then he was like, hi, how, Hey, what's up? And, um, I don't even know how the conversation really started, but it was, he started it on there. And at first when he was replying to me, you know, he's doing it under the band account. So I'm not sure which guy is talking to me, Oh no, <laughs> you awesome. know? And I'm like, okay, what, okay. What guy first? I got to figure this out. You know, which guy is it? And, um, not to be, <laughs> not to be like cocky but I was kind of like on this like whole realm of like I really want to date a lead singer okay <laughs> Which, <laughs> this is so hey, funny man, that's, uh, this is a two years of drummers is enough I gotta yeah <laughs> this is I, I'm talking 28 year old you know Brie or 27 28 year old brain okay and I just like I dated drummers I did date a couple singers that we like mentioned before but like, I was like, okay, you know, I, I, it needs to, be, I just had started, I just broke up this relationship with, um, I think he was like a, maybe a bass player or whatever. And I'm like, no more of that. Like I want the front man. <laughs> so, uh, so I was like, who, what guy is talking to me? And sure enough, it was Dallin. It was the cutest one in the picture. I was like, yes. And he, he was, there was two singers in the band. So he's one of the singers. I was like, yes. Okay. Score. And then, um, we started just talking like online, just as friends, just friendly. Um, at the time we had like, you know, AOL instant message did a lot of that. We didn't really have FaceTime like we do now. So we couldn't really like see live person to person. So like I was looking the off dark ages of the internet, no <laughs> FaceTime video streaming. Yeah. How so did we ever you know, survive? <laughs> we're going off of pictures and like I, he had a couple little fun, like little makeshift music videos. So I try to like watch video to set, kind of see him in action, you know, and, and like, I was just talking to a friend of mine about social media back then. It, it was a little bit safer where the fact that so many people didn't have filters or knew how to do Photoshop. Right. So, you know, you, you kind of saw what you were getting, you know, like now it's like, you never know anymore with people. You're like, is this really them? What filter do they have on the, you know, on their picture? Yeah. So, um, you know, so I think he could, you know, believe that it was really me in these pictures. If I was, as long as I'm posting my actual self, which is also a thing nowadays that people don't even have their own pictures. But, um, 
people didn't really come onto that yet. So we started talking we talked on the phone. Um, and you know, that's, I met you then, you know, at work, me and you met as friends and started talking. This is the same time. <laughs> this is about the same time. <clears throat> that's funny. But for the record, <laughs> public record, you met me first. So you've known me longer than Dallin. <laughs> I met you first. And awesome. I, like I said, I had, I was dating someone else, like musicians and whatnot. And I just broke that all off because I was done with it. I was like, that's it. I'm just going to hold out till I meet somebody cool. But I was getting over that whole, you know, grossness of these people and trying to get that out of my brain. And I met you working. We started talking and just becoming friends and then I remember one time, and then I start, at the same time, I'm talking to Dallin and all this stuff. And, and um, he then came out to California a couple times on his tours. Now, he was living in Utah. I was living in California. His band was going to come on a little mini tour and come out to California. Sometimes we exaggerate this. So you might hear the story a couple different ways here. <laughs> nice. Okay. He, he used to call me like, more like a groupie when he would tell us tell the story his version used to be you know we met through my band and i'm like hold up that makes me sound like a groupie okay <laughs> you came on to me first you invited me to your shows you came out to california um and so he came out to california maybe about three times sometimes he'll say like five times i'm not sure really how many times he came out but it was a good handful yeah, when you're on Twitter pated, I get it. You're, the facts get a little blurry. Yes, okay. So he came out a few times to California, invited me to a show, and I just, I didn't go. I just, like we said, you know, everyone is a musician, a model, an actor. Here's another musician. I wasn't sure if that was the road I should go for dating still. It's like, uh, here's another musician. Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. And so I didn't go. I kept flaking. I flaked several times. And then finally, one of the times that he asked me to come out to a show when he was out in California, we had been talking a lot at this time as friends on the phone and knew each other quite well that way. Um, I actually still declined. I didn't go to his show. <laughs> I'm so mean. I didn't go to his show. And um, he called me after his show, desperate for a place to stay. He was like, you know, me and my band, we have nowhere to stay. Um, and, classic you know, musician ploy right classic i'm a poor musician i can't <laughs> afford the hotel room on my tour yes exactly awesome. and that was kind of the brobex thing too um they would just try to find places to stay through fans and friends on the road so i figured i was like you know there's two mormon guys or actually i think there was like three mormon guys and a jewish guy how bad could they be you know at this point this is a mormon like, band all right this details yeah. get even better yeah which from California, I, you know, I grew up around Mormon friends, but they never like spoke to me about the religion and I didn't really know much about it. And they never bought, they never bugged me about it. They were just like, you know, if you're interested, we'll, we'll tell you, which is not like what most people think of Mormons. Um, well, that's because but, we have, you know, there's lots of mission, little missionary guys knocking on people's doors. So to the people that feels really pushy. Yeah. And, and so I honestly didn't really know much about Mormons, the religion. I didn't know much about Utah and supposedly that all these Mormons came from Utah. I didn't know anything about <laughs> Mormon that. Mormon Mecca. Yes. I had no idea. So, um, but I, I heard, you know, Mormons, uh, you know, some of their stereotypical things. And I was like, okay, well, how bad could they be compared to like an LA guy? You know, this is like nothing. I can I mean, deal can't with be this. that bad. They're hanging yeah. out with a Jewish guy. So, yeah. I mean, if the Jewish guy <laughs> trusts them, we should be safe. <laughs> right. Yes. So I said, sure. You know, you, you can come stay in my apartment. You know, I don't have much furniture yet. You, I literally have like wood floors. Someone can grab a couch and sleep on a floor. Um, don't think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like kind of give the clue that, you know, don't think anything is going to be happening, any funny business over here. So, um, and so, she, you know, he, he accepted and, um, I didn't even like care to even like get ready to look good or like, you know, <laughs> I was literally just you like purposely a, pulled all your makeup off. I mean, I was just all casual. I think I just got off work. I had a t-shirt on and jeans and he called me and he's like out front because he needed to find a a parking space because as we know in the valley in Sherman Oaks and area very hard to find parking so I, I 
went out to go meet him out in the front, just, just nonchalantly. And there he was standing there and he's like super tall and he turns around and I'm just like, Oh crap. He is so cute. And I can, I had a love of first sight (laughs) moment. Yes. It's so cheesy, but true. I was always the girl that could be very cool around somebody and I could, I could be very chill, very cool. But like, for him, the minute I met him, it was like this huge smile that I could not get off my face and I couldn't stop smiling. Um, no matter what, it was like that where your cheeks are hurting, you know, like, and I'm just like, be cool, Breezy, be cool. What's wrong with you? you know? This is so embarrassing. So, yeah, so he came in and we talked all night. We had sandwiches. We watched Shaun of the Dead, fell in love over a zombie movie um meanwhile the the rest of the band is sleeping in my living room you know floor we're like falling in love watching movies and eating sandwiches (laughs) everything very pg just for the record okay i was um i was really trying to like again i didn't know much about the mormon um religion me not being part of any religion at the time i grew up like atheists and stuff but spiritual so (laughs) i was like okay what do i do or not do like what do i (laughs) you know i don't want to like you know do something really naughty i want to jump this guy's bones but he's mormon will that like condemn him to hell i don't know right (laughs) so very pg pg 13 maybe um and then he just like yeah he he spent the night with her but totally cool uh, all abiding by the Mormon rules. <laughs> um, woke up the next morning and he, on his side of the story, he said, I knew, I knew right then and there that you were the one and I'm not going to date any more people. He was a bit of a player in Utah, by the way. Um, and I came to find this out when I moved there after we got engaged and everywhere we go, a girl knows who Dallin is or dated him. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) So he was a little, I call him the makeout player because he's Mormon. So he was the player as far as making out. Um, So he was a makeout slut. Get him all hot and bothered (laughs) in the mix. All right, gotta go. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that was um, the night we met. And then, you know, we, we kind of said, we're going to try to do this like long distance dating thing. But I was, I really didn't take it serious. I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, how often does that really work? But sure, you know, I'll try it. Um, and he left and we, yeah, we, <laughs> he, he would want to input. If he was right here, he would try to like put in the see, story. I got, I got to pause the conversation here because at this point, Dallin yeah. went his way, you want your way. Yeah. Uh, and then suddenly I was getting cornered all the time by Breezy because she was asking me a million <laughs> questions about what it was like to be Mormon. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, that's what, you know, all of a sudden everyone goes, um, my friends and family were like, I'm telling them about this cute Mormon guy and I fell in love and oh my gosh. And all these like big plans immediately. And they're just like, whoa, whoa, slow down. You know, like and also in California, like I said, with dating and marriage and family, people commonly don't do it until later in your life so i'm like about 27 yeah, at the people time people will date for like five years before they even talk about getting married oh yeah you'll date you'll move in you'll in do Utah, everything you date like three months and then you get engaged and you have a three-month engagement and you're married mm-hmm. yep for sure and then you like have you know you get pregnant on your honeymoon <laughs> for, that's you know exactly that's i mean i so yeah. failed the mormon playbook by the way I was single till I was 38. Not even, I wasn't even, hadn't even had one marriage at 38. That was like, I'd go to Utah and they would like, (laughs) towns would come out and people with pitchforks and they'd be like, not you, mister. You're not coming to our town. You're weird. Single at 38. You just move along. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, all my friends have kids that are graduating high school. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, so from California, all my friends and family were like, wait a minute, like, slow down here and this guy's mormon are you sure like he comes from utah he must be mormon i'm like what's that mean why does that mean utah is oh you're from utah you're mormon yeah i had no idea so now canada do you know keanu reeves yeah because everyone knows keanu reeves from canada (laughs) yeah so now i'm like oh great i I better investigate this if i'm going to pursue this dating thing everyone seems that it's such a big deal so um so then i knew 
Travis, my friend at work, is Mormon. And so, yes, I started pressing you with questions. And I, but I remember that, that in and of itself is kind of weird when you think about it. There's like a single Mormon guy, still a virgin, and he's doing massage in, th- in, in, in LA, like working on some of the hot, hottest people on the planet. I always joke with everyone. I was like, you know, 33 years old, still uh, not experienced in the ways of the world. And yet I had, you know, oiled down probably 10,000 naked women. <laughs> including one Heather Graham, which is a very attractive. um, (laughs) And I was kind of jealous of that. You were like talking about you going to Heather Graham's massaging her. And I'm just like, Travis, like, this is so close to like, you know, asking her on a date. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what? Uh, we'll have, we have, we have a, for another episode, remind me of the time where I, I think she may have been asking me, but I was so like, just ignorant of stuff at that time. Like I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll share the story. Cause later I was sharing with one of my roommates. I'm like, Oh my God, I think she was going to ask you out. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably blew it. Like, I totally blew it. And I think back at work, if you don't mind me like saying, I remember you kind of like saying casually, like if me and you want to go hang out, you know, like outside of work. And, and I remember I, I was like, so I got, I got to preface this. I got to preface this by the way, cause we're, okay. we're, we worked in an environment where, <clears throat> yeah, losing my voice there a little bit. Yeah. Most of the people we worked with were super bitter, cynical, angry people, mm-hmm. which was funny cause it was the health field. Yeah. And then like you come along and you're just like, you're just happy and cheerful and half the time you would like walk out of the break room because people were being like just dumb and I'm like oh hey someone I can actually have a conversation with without somebody like griping about how bad life sucks mm-hmm. so and, and you know and of course you're very beautiful so that was that was like a bonus oh <laughs> but thank you but yeah I was like I'm like oh I have somebody at work I could actually talk to this, this is the weird thing I worked at, at this spa for 10 years and I don't know, there was 400 employees there. And in that 10 years, I think you and one other person, there's only two people that I ever actually did anything outside of work with. Mm-hmm. So that just tells you, that tells you the type of people hanging around with, like you go to work and you get done. You're like, I got to get out of here. I don't yeah. want to hang around these people. Totally. Yeah. And, and you were, yeah. And you were easy to talk to and fun and same thing. You're like, you're you're very like cheery and lighthearted and, and funny. I'm like Dallin Stoppelganger, because because <laughs> yes. Dallin is tall, skinny, and dark haired, and I'm tall, skinny, and, and blonde. I'm blonde, and I honestly, <laughs> that's and, one and, of the and things. Dallin is massively musically talented. I can't even play like the recorder. So there we go. Yeah, and I d- I don't usually go for blonde hair people, guys. Um, I'm dated a couple throughout time. Not that I'm not attracted to them, but it was like not usually my Were thing. They poets? You know? Uh, no still musicians (laughs) but um but yeah so like me and you and I think you kind of like casually talked about like hanging out or you know going grabbing some food and I'm just like and I friendly kind of like nicely was like you know I started dating somebody this you know guy and and you were just like oh and you could literally said kind of like out loud you're like oh man like I've known you've been single this whole time and I just didn't want to like bring this up. And then I go to like, ask if you want to go well, like you grab just, some food. You just broken up and you were all depressed <laughs> and mopey. Like, I gotta come and ask you out. Like, I know. You, come on, I'm not that guy. And you were like, all just like, great. I waited like too long. And now you're, you know, just and then like you were friends. dating a Mormon. It was like insult to injury. <laughs> I'm like, Oh God. Exactly. You're like, and you know what though? Most guys, in that scenario, because I did have a couple of guy friends at the time that just dissed me right after that, would have just been like, you know, I care nothing to have of her anymore. You know, if I can't date her or if we can't, you know, forget it and not even be friends, we continue to be friends. And I think that was like where our place was like so much better. I mean, look how long we've known each other and how good of friends we are, you know. See, that's what happens when you're a geek. You have an amazing ability to become friends with people. So I never understood the, the 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 aspect of you can't be friends with the opposite sex like that, that was always so confusing to me mm-hmm. and and this thing of like if you date someone or you're married to someone and it doesn't work out and you break up that you still can't be friendly with those people like I I never understood ever know that it was always very confusing to me and right. I mean so I before my wife I I dated a woman for 4 years and 
uh, you know, had our turbulent times and just didn't work out. And, but I'm still friends with that woman and to the point where she got remarried and then I got re uh, and I got married and then she invited my wife and I had to go to her house and hang out with her and her husband in Malibu. Oh, wow. That's cool. And so like every time mm -hmm. we go to LA, we, we see her for dinner and we've been to her house a couple of times. And, and it's funny because even my wife's family is just like, no, wait, what? You're, you're going to your husband's ex-girlfriend's place to hang out for the weekend right. together. Like, I don't, I don't understand. So mm -hmm. like, I, you know, it's, there, there's, the world is already so challenging as, as it is, and, and there's already so many not nice people that when you find good, honest people with big hearts and some integrity, like for me personally, it's like, I, you know, I want to hang on to those people mm -hmm. because that's who I want to be surrounded in my life. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're still friends. So it's because and you're you had a, people. You had a connection. And if it went on for even a couple of years, it's like, you know, that's something you invested in and had a connection with, with that person that, you know, so it is important. I mean, well, and I, you know, um, you always, I always looked at um, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, how after, mm -hmm. even after they broke up, how people like the tabloids would make such a big deal when they would get together for holidays. And it was, you know, it was Demi and her new family and Bruce and his new family. And they were all hanging out together at Christmas. And people were like, well, how does that work? I don't understand. It's like, well, why can't, you know, some, some people aren't meant to be in, in a romantic relationship, but they're really great business partners or they're really great friends. And, you know, there's nothing that says that it's all or all or none. So, you know, I, my wife was telling me about that same thing when she was in college, how she would hang out with guys. And, you know, these were like her best friends and they did everything. And it wasn't just one or, you know, it was like her group. Like she, there was a group of three or four guys and a couple of girls and they were all just hanging out and they were doing everything but she didn't know like a couple of guys were, you know, had massive crushes on her. And then like she would start dating someone. And as soon as she started dating someone, they, they would drop her like a rock and they wouldn't invite her and they wouldn't hang out with her anymore. And she was always so confused, like, well, mm -hmm. because I don't want to sleep with you. Why does that mean we can't be friends? But well, that's it. And it's true. And then, you know, that kind of happened to me too, with some of like, like I said, most of my friends growing up were guys. And like I said, I was in this music kind of, um, you know, group with all these guy friends. And I went on, I mean, some of them, I literally met them up on their tours and would, you know, ride on their tour bus and go, you know, go to different shows and all that stuff. And I was like really a part of that with them. But then when I would break up with one of them <laughs> dating somebody, it was like, they all just couldn't be friends with me anymore. You know, now a couple of them have kind of came back around and, and we like talk on social media and have added each other. And, you know, everyone has their own relationships now and stuff in their own lives. So like, like you said, what's it matter, you know, but at the time it was just like, that's what happens. I think more with like girls and, and the guys is like all my guy friends, like, and that group dropped me for a while because I'm no longer dating Dallin. Yeah. And, and when I would stop dating a certain person in that group of friends, you know, they just all like cut me off for a while. And it was like <laughs> such a bummer. It was like, yeah. you know, but um, yeah. And so then the thing with Dallin and then um, after we met um, and did the whole long distance dating thing, I just thought, why not? You know, let's just try it out. You know, I, I'm up for so, anything. So for the record, you were dating Dallin and I was your Mormonism coach. <laughs> yes. So you would tell me, <laughs> You would tell me about the religion so I could see if I could. tell you about that Joseph Smith guy and those golden plates. Yeah, I had no idea of any of that stuff, <laughs> you know. And I, I'm, so I'm just like, okay, tell me about it. And sometimes, you know, because me and you would like exchange massages, you know, and like I massage you. Often, you, you know, as a massage therapist, you need your own massage work done to yourself. Because I don't know. Do we want to share this publicly? Hey, we were really good friends. And by the way, we massaged each other. Well, Does Dallin know about this? Is Dallin, Dallin going to do this knows. episode and I'm going to get a call and he's going to be like, listen, buddy. <laughs> He knows because I would even go back to you when you were still working there after I dated Dallin and he knew I was going to massage by you, you know, you were How the best you about that. You're like, Hey, I'm going to go, this guy I'm really good friends with. He's going to go rub me down now. Well, also you're really good. You're it like, was at the, it was at the spa, by the way. It's it was professional. always professional. You know, I'm Mormon. <laughs> yeah. So we would talk during our massages to each other. And then I would ask you about, this is, that is kind I'm of so gonna I'm so going to create a, a TV show. It's going to be called the massage preacher. People come in and he's going to be preaching to him. Why is massaging? I don't know if like the, this, the church would even approve of this. This does sound a little hey, shady. How did you teach you like, about the Mormonism? Oh, she got naked and I was rubbing oil on her and I was, yeah. I was you know, teaching her about Oh Jesus my Christ. gosh. <laughs> Oh, no. Jeez. We're going to get blacklisted after oh, this no. episode. Here we go. <laughs> um, excommunication. 
<laughs> no. Call for my bishop in a week and just gonna be like, listen, like, uh, I'm like, come on, bishop, statute of limitations. That, that yeah. was like a decade and a half ago. Statute the of church, you know, the church is is changing. Okay, <laughs> it's very, it's, oh. um, but yeah. So we would talk about that, and me and Dallin dated long distance. We we visit each other once a month. So either I fly out to Utah or he come to California. We dated. 10 months long distance and then we got engaged which is so months. fast that's so forever that's so fast in <laughs> la <laughs> you know i'm so telling was everyone was your family in a panic oh my point? gosh people were freaking out you got to be kidding me like what you know you're getting married what and then i decided to move to utah when we got engaged um i was that was part of the plan I mean, we got we got to back up. How did he propose? I always love hearing proposal stories. Yeah. <laughs> so the proposal story, um, the apartment that I met him at, I eventually, in between the time of the 10-month period of dating Dallin, it was quite, it was getting a little expensive. So I actually um, rented an apartment with my cousin and um, down the street, uh, we shared a, a place together. Um, just to kind of, you know, quite expensive to have my own place at the time. So I moved in with my cousin. We were roomies for a while. Um, we had been talking about getting engaged, me and Dallin. I, one of the trips out to Utah, we looked at rings and stuff. And I picked out like a couple of my favorites. But still, I just really, you know, when it's never happened, you just, I don't know. And then coming from L.A. And I was such a hopeless romantic, though, too. And I'm just like... I don't know if this will actually happen. You know, I, I did talk about marriage with a couple boyfriends in the past and stuff like that. So I didn't know if this was actually going to pan out. So um, anyways, yeah. So I'm, I just got off work one night and I get a phone call from him and he, he said he was supposed to be coming out like later that week. We had plans for him flying out and he's going to help me start packing up and moving to Utah. However, I kept saying to him, I'm not moving until I'm engaged. Like, I'm not going to move out of state for a guy if I'm not I'm not taking that gamble. Yeah. You're not committed until you put a ring on my finger, buddy. So it's coming down to a week where I'm supposed to be moving to Utah. And he still hasn't proposed. And I'm kind of like getting like, mm, I don't know if this is going to happen. You know, I just got off work. He calls me and, and he says, um, you know, I know I'm supposed to see you later this week and stuff, but I have a surprise, like a present that I wanted to give you. I'm still not thinking anything of it. Um, I actually, I, I sent it to your family and one of your family members went and left it outside of your old apartment under the light post that we met that night. And you need to hurry and go down there and get it though. Cause I don't want someone to like steal it. <laughs> like, he's like, you need to go now. And I'm like, Okay. And I'm like in my work clothes, you know, still from like Burke Williams. I'm like, okay, well, I, I better, I better change. Like, I don't know. I had something in a suspicion, you know, I'm like, okay, well, let me, let me change out of my clothes and just freshen up really quick. But he's like, you need to hurry. Like I left a little package under <laughs> the light pole <laughs> in the front of the street. So I drive down there. It's just down the block. Um, I park my car. It's at night. There's nobody out there. And I see the light pole and I start to walk up towards it. And sure enough, there's a little white box package with a little bow on it sitting under the light post. I'm still not thinking anything of it. I'm literally just thought somebody left a, a, a package for me. That's really nice of them. And so That's I go pretty over brave it. in LA, the fact that it's still there. <laughs> right. So I go over to the package and I pick it up and I open it. And then there's a little paper note in there. And it, and it said, if I, now this, I'm tr going off of memory here, but it said something like, um, I, like I told you, if I had to go another day without you, I would die. And I was like, and all of a sudden he comes around the corner from where my apartment was walking towards me. And I'm just like, what? Like, how are you here? And then he does the whole kneeling on one, on one knee under the light pole and prepare, like starts to propose to me. Now, like I was in this like whirlwind, like rush. And, <laughs> and he's like waiting for an answer. And I'm like, wait, okay, hold on. I'm literally going crazy. I was like, wait, say it again. <laughs> Cause like, I, I was like, it was just such a like overwhelming oh, awesome. rush. And he's like, sweet. I made him repeat it. 
because <laughs> like I couldn't even like almost hear it it was like and he like said it again and of course I said yes and he had the ring and um he planned this whole thing with my family they had a um they even like planned a whole party an engagement party the next day I think and all secretly without me knowing so it was really cool and that was the whole proposal story <laughs> So I moved to Utah and um, yeah, the rest is history. Then we got married three months later. So you had a three month engagement. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I just, I feel you don't need to wait a super long time. I, I feel like if you really think you met the one, why, why wait with it that long? You know, I think that I, I if agree, you, but my wife still wanted to wait a year just to be sure. A year's good though. That's that's I think, great. I think my wife had seconds. She was she was wanted to make sure. We also got engaged really quickly though. See, we our first date was in um, the end of October, January, February, March, April, May. So seven months. <laughs> seven months we were. I, I proposed. Yeah, yeah, and and you waited a long time but well worth the wait because yeah, you got a smoking hot super cool now now in la woman. i was you know i was i was pretty much standard but in uh people who uh grew up and who don't know anything about utah culture so again i grew up in a tiny little town of two thousand people and it did happen to be like 98 percent mormon mm -hmm. and there's uh, you know it probably has something to do with the fact that part of the Mormon theology is you don't have sex outside of marriage. And so, you know, people get married young because right. of that. So if you're 23, 24, that's considered old 27 ancient, you hit 30 and it's like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? So, um, and there's actually a joke in Utah or like 150 years ago, there was a, the leader of the Mormon church, Brigham Young had made this comment about that. If a man was 27 and single, he was a menace to society. <laughs> and so yeah. in Utah, part of the culture there is that you're 227 and everyone's like starts making funny. Oh, you're a menace to society. You're a menace to society. And and then you turn 30 and now it's like that joke's old and now people don't know what to think. And so then it's like, what's wrong with you? And then inevitably becomes the question, are you gay? <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Are you, are you sure you're not gay? And I'm like, I don't know. With as many times as I've been hit on at the spa, Maybe, maybe there's something I'm not aware of. Maybe, maybe I should give this some serious thought. Like, I don't know. Maybe. No, no, I'm not. So when I hit 35, people's brains were like melting. Like I, I, I this is good. This is a true story. I, I, and I always hate it when people say that because like, well, if it's not true, why are you telling it? But because it's so unbelievable, you have to phrase it. Like, it's a true story. Like, I had a friend when I was, I think 33 and I was at home in my parents' town and literally said, like I me I mentally can't like I can't, I don't even know how to deal with the fact that you're still single at your age until you get married like just stop calling me when you come home I don't I don't want to like I I don't it's too weird I don't want to hang out with you oh my gosh and I was like hang out like you know we'd meet up for lunch but like right. she like for, for four or five years the person stopped talking to me just because they like couldn't handle the fact that I was in my thirties and still single wow so yeah it's pretty and you know honestly it's not just the Mormon um culture it. I'm in Utah now and even still to this day this is you know we're talking this is like 13 something years ago and you know even to this day I was just talking to a friend of mine who does my hair and she's in her early 20s um and she's not Mormon and it's still like that it's not even just Mormon it's just I think these other places like of Utah the world thing. yeah other places of the world I feel or our country we're just like people have this idea of wanting to get married and have a family and fall in love. I, I was so used to this LA California mentality that I like didn't even know, but maybe it is more common than, than what I'm used to. But, um, I, I, all my like young friends out here are like, you know, shacked up or like, they're like getting married or they have kids and they're buying houses and they're like, you know, in their early twenties and stuff. And they're not, yeah, Mormon. I, was, I stop now and I go, gosh, when my dad was my age, I was a senior in high school. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My brother was at, it was in college. So I think about that. I'm like, man, I like, if I would have gone the normal route, like I would have a kid, it's a senior in high school and a kid that's in college right now. 
Oh, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, but I always look at, especially when I was in my thirties, I mean, I was such a mess in my twenties. You know, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> you saw the disaster that I was. I think we all. <laughs> um, but I just think like, like, yeah, I did. I don't even think I started to get into um, like have any sort of sense of self until I was 33, 34. And right. So and I used to think about that going, God, man, like my dad, when my dad was my age at 34, you know, I was like 12 or 13. And, and I just think about that going, I, I didn't even start to have any sense of who I, if I would have had kids in my twenties, like those kids would have been so messed up because I was so insecure and so angry about stuff and so opinionated about everything. Like, oh man, I, you know, my, my, my parenting skills would have been a, like, yelling at someone until they did what I wanted them to do oh, because sure. I was right. My opinion was right. And everyone else was wrong. I, I mean, I never even considered getting, I honestly grew up thinking I never was going to get married. I, I came from a family like my real dad and mom actually never got actually married. Oh wow! So, and then, you know, I had, and a you said you weren't a hippie. And right, I mean, they were, you know, by law married because they had a child and lived together for so long. But, um, so I just never thought I was even going to get married for a while or let alone have children. It didn't even occur to me till way later past my twenties. So I agree with you with that. But that was the thing with like, when I met Dallin, that was so attractive. I think he was 25 at the time that I met him, which is just bearing that whole Mormon, you know, stereotype where he better start shacking with somebody. <laughs> um, but he, when I met him, he's just like, yeah, he had all these dreams and aspirations of life, but he also really wanted to have a family and get married. That was a main goal that he had in his life that he wanted to have. And, and he even had like a bank account with money saved for a ring for that future person that he meets. Wow. And that was just such a turn on. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like this is so hot. Alan was so much more put together in his twenties than I was. <laughs> and and let's for the record, everyone, and most that know me a little bit or are on online and social media and stuff. Um, he was not a rock star when I met him though. This band that he was in called the Brobex, now they were quite popular in utah but nowhere else <laughs> so all right so let's segue into that then because we're, we're this sure. episode's getting pretty long that's that that's what i the, that was the whole point of uh, episode three yes uh, was to talk about how you met dallin and then how what was the events that led him from being like you know a, a little three-man band in in the backwaters of utah to you know, eventually being a basis for one of the biggest bands in the world and now having one of his own bands uh, because that that story is fascinating yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I, I'm pulling a Kathleen Kennedy here where I'm, I'm going off on all these tangents and pulling <laughs> totally irrelevant storylines that make no sense to the overall context. <laughs> but here we go. All right. So 